Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight show. I am out of breath. We had such a quick turnaround. We just finished up the political show about 30 seconds ago, and it's time to start again. So we are rocking and rolling here. It is Tuesday, August 11, 2020. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and in the studio is Han, my fantastic intern, and we are going to rock and roll with it today. Han, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing all right. We are just rocking and rolling today. We didn't have a chance to chat at all. How is your week starting out? It's been pretty good. Been very busy trying to get things taken care of with uh, some podcast stuff. I bet. I bet. Busy kind of stuff here. All righty. Well, we're going to have a fun show today. Guys, if you missed yesterday's show, yesterday was Music Monday. We had a fantastic Music Monday yesterday. You can check it out in the archives. We had our special correspondent, Jay Knight, on with his Monday Music Minute, and he featured a great rapper, Jones. So that was kind of fun. And then we had two special guest interviews yesterday. First up was Zach Day, who's actually our other special correspondent on Every Other Monday. But he has a brand new single out. He did a uh, cover of Strong Enough with a partner, and it's an amazing track. And then we interviewed Tommy Sellers, who is a fantastic singer-songwriter out of Miami. So a great music Monday. If you missed it, head on over to the archives, and you can check it out, your favorite podcast distributor, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, all the fun things like that. Any uh, interesting artwork so far this week, Han? Who are you working on? Anything exciting? Uh, I'm currently working on some uh, promotional art for my show, and then I'm also working on a couple of different commissions for a few friends of mine who needed some stuff for their, uh, like, anniversary and stuff like that. Amazing. Well, guys, we have a great show ahead for you today. I see we have our special correspondent, Enoch Miller, on the line now. He is uh, here every second Tuesday of the month to give us a West Hollywood Entertainment Minute. And then we're going to have a live interview today with actor, comedian, and writer Tim Murray. Uh, does a fantastic podcast, web series himself. Uh, been in some great uh acting roles and does some great writing. So we're going to talk to him in just a little bit, but let's go ahead and bring the Empress of West Hollywood, WeHo himself, 
Mr. Enoch Miller on the show. Enoch, how you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you doing, my dear? Everything is just peachy keen in beautiful downtown Northeast Ohio. I had a good vice presidential pick today I'm happy about. Talked about it on my last politics show. So I'm a happy camper. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I was I was pleasantly surprised with it. Um, she was not necessarily my first pick, but she was one of my three that I was hoping he'd pick for VP. So it was either her, Warren, or Buttigieg. I was kind of wanting for those three. So I am. She's a California native. She's done stuff a lot of with here and and our Department of Justice stuff. So she's um, I, I think a really smart choice for him, and one that is really gonna I think fit in well with with his campaign um, on everything so far. Nice. I like it. Very, very cool. Yeah, I I really wanted – my two original choices back in the day were Buttigieg and Harris, so I got half of it. Okay. Okay, so I'm I'm doing good. I'm very good. Yeah. What's happening in beautiful downtown WeHo? What's on your radar, my friend? It has been a little bit of a wild ride um, for the last – like I'd say about month and a half, we kind of took a step backwards in our COVID stuff. So we've been a little bit um, going through it. <laughs> and uh, so we're just now starting to kind of get up on the tail end of uh, that peak and really starting to come back down now. Um, I, although, unfortunately, we found out over the last couple of weeks, according to our mayor, Garcetti, um, we had about 300,000 medical applications that were not processed through our health department system, which really messed up a lot of our initial numbers we were getting for like COVID testing results and a a bunch of other stuff. So, uh, and at the same time that had happened, we also had our director, one of our directors for our public health or County health department quit um, late one Sunday evening, just this last weekend. And so um, our health department has been a little edge on lately because um, a lot of people have resigned due to aspects of uh, individuals picketing and protesting and like front of their homes, sending them death threats because they don't want to wear masks or social distance. And so uh, a lot of our health officials have been very afraid <laughs> for their lives. And um, so it's, it's getting better for COVID. However, it is still one steep uphill battle the entire way. So we are just kind of plugging along through that. Um, I bet you mess. had a little scare yourself <laughs> in your own household even, right? You were, you were worried uh, for a couple of days, I remember. Yeah. I, one of my boyfriends um, tested positive after he came back from a trip um, where he hit every major hotspot, I feel like, from here to <laughs> Florida and New York. <laughs> so um, at least to say it was – hopefully it was a false positive. We don't know officially, but as of right now, last two tests he took, he is – clear and negative so um so yeah it, it was a bit of a scare but i think i think everyone's just on edge in general but you made um, it through for, it, right yeah we we survived girl it's, it's i'm alive um next uh, kind of a thing that's been going on with west hollywood um a lot of people in different cities have this where they have smoking ordinance um when it comes to cigarette smoke and things like that especially with west hollywood since we're by about 83 percent um either uh, rentals or apartments or condo type of uh, residents. Um, and only like 13, 14% of those are actually homeowners. And so um, they're trying to put forth some uh, smoking legislation on removing that from uh, apartments and condos. However, because of the state law for California, 
anything associated with tobacco is automatically associated with marijuana. And so in unintentionally, but due to California law, if you were to pass this new ordinance banning smoking in apartments and condos, it would automatically ban marijuana smoking in those same areas. However, it's already illegal to smoke on the sidewalk. So no mm. person that would need it for medication or would need it for for stuff for health purposes would be able to smoke it in the comfort of their own home or legally smoke it on the sidewalk. So we're putting kind of a bunch of notice towards our council trying to see if they can separate those two items. Again, it's a, it's a little bit above our heads because it's California law and not West Hollywood law. So that becomes a little dicey. However, that's kind of the things we're working on towards our city. Um, some other things going on politically, we have had a few Trump rallies here, uh, one in Beverly Hills, one here in West Hollywood, which have been stirring up a lot of drama in the city. Um, <laughs> I bet. If you, if you, I, you, I don't know if you they do it anywhere like in Ohio like this, but I mean they are, I mean you'll see a couple hundred people come out and they have like flags, they have signs, they are wearing MAGA hats. I mean it's it's a bit of a, a show and it's a little. Um, I've been lucky daunting, so far. But... I only saw seven on a corner so far, and that's about it. But but there's yeah. a lot of Beverly here, Hills. Not to say there isn't a lot. Yeah, but I've only had to see seven yeah. of them. Beverly Hills doesn't surprise wow. me because Beverly Hills is a very one percenter type of community. It's very white. It's very rich. It's very like that. However, having one in right. West Hollywood is kind of a little bit of a daunting thing because obviously West Hollywood is a very liberal community and very supportive democratically. So um, it, it was a little bit of a, a shock. <laughs> um, some other right. things going on kind of in the Hollywood type area uh, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention to social, but um, Alyssa, Mil- Alyssa Milano has been um, really kind of touting her story getting through COVID. Um, she came down with it back in April, but she has been having what, uh, according to health officials, is called long hauler COVID effects. Um, and basically it's um, many members of survivors uh, report suffering from long-term symptoms of COVID um, and they're calling themselves long haulers, which basically she has had COVID symptoms since April. Um, and a lot of the issues um, she's been dealing with have been anything from chest pains and obviously things like that, but also it causing her hair to fall out. She just recently was in oh, man. with that. So it's, it's again, for anyone who, who doesn't really want to think the effects of COVID are, are temporary or stuff like that. I mean, really pay attention to some of these people, especially celebrities like her. She's bringing a lot of awareness to it, um, which is really great. Um, something else with uh, Will Smith and Jason Derulo. Uh, Will Smith and Jason were out playing golf this last weekend. And apparently in this, like Will Smith is trying to help Jason Derulo do something with his swing and lo and behold, Will got a face full of club by accident and oh, has no. uh, posted a photo. Yeah. It's hilarious. There's a photo up on with him and Jason of uh, basically all his front teeth <laughs> missing um, or severely like damaged. And uh, so it just goes to show you that not only is Chris Brown, not the only one that abuses other people in the Hollywood community. So um, <laughs> it was a, it was a bit funny, but I mean, I think, I mean, they knew it was all an accident and they kind of have been playing 
light at it, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the picture, it's a little it's a little scary. Um, and that's then, funny. Uh, I wasn't uh, sure if that's where that was going because Will's had those yeah. quote unquote rumors. I thought there was a picture of him teaching Gorilla how to swing or something. I was worried. For yeah, a no, it, it was it was they were doing a TikTok, and it um, you can clearly see he was like. He was kind of behind him, just kind of like trying to like say, "Hey, this is how you do it." And before he had a chance to step back, Jason took a swing and oh, right, man. just right in his face. It was it was pretty bad. Um, a really cool thing that's coming up for here in our community, um, West Hollywood is celebrating the hundredth anniversary of the Nineteenth Amendment, which gave women the right to vote here in the U.S., which is taking place over on August thirtieth. So we're really excited about that. They're going to have an amazing panel of people coming from. Um, Camila Cat uh, uh, or Cat Calvin, who's the uh, founder of Spread the Vote, Dr. Trevor Lindsay, who's the associate professor for women's gender and sexuality studies at Ohio State, um, Bambi uh, Salcido, who is the president of Trans Latina Coalition, and and some wow. others that I'm really just excited to celebrate uh, again the hundredth anniversary for um, for women uh, fighting for the right to to vote in America. So I can't believe it's been a hundred years already, but uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. And so it's, uh, yeah, the 19th Amendment centennial celebration with the National Council of Jewish Women that are they're putting that on. Oh, that's exciting. Yay, women yeah. voting. Exactly. Juan, are you and voting age? Of... You're voting age, aren't you? I'm trying to get my intern on there. Are you voting age? Yes, I am. Awesome. Have you voted before? Yeah, I voted in the... Uh... 2018 one for like Congress and Senate and stuff like that. Okay. Nice. Got it. Very, very cool. Awesome. Well, last thing, speaking of voting. So um, our city council elections are coming up here in November, November 3rd. Um, We have two seats uh, for our five city council seats up for nomination or election or or whatever. And so um, they have about uh, like, I think 11 people, Buying wow. for those two seats, um, along with the two incumbents that are already council members currently um, that are obviously going in for their own seats. But um, if you are a West Hollywood resident um, and have not registered to vote, they're encouraging everyone to um, register for vote by mail. Um, that way you get your ballot in the mail. Again, less contact with another individual. You don't have to go into a voting place. Due to, obviously, everything with COVID, they are keeping just – they're not – saying polling places will be open yet. Um, they're, they're still figuring that out due to, like, again, whatever the, the county allows for the public health county um, and their restrictions. Obviously, November is a ways off, but it's still not that far. So, um, but yeah, go to weho.org. Um, you can check that out under the city clerk's section for information about the people who have pulled papers. Um, the list they have now isn't the final list, but um, Usually we get um, anywhere from eight to like 15 different people that potentially um, run for our council seats each election term. So um, it's a pretty interesting kind of show. <laughs> it's uh, You'll get a right. lot of interesting characters. Some of them are fun. Last year we had a drag queen run. Um, and uh, it's it's definitely a show for sure. Well, our buddy Duke Mason ran twice, right? Belinda Carlisle's yes. son, who lives out there, he's run yeah. twice, and hopefully he he'll did. run he again. But it. I think he's going to concentrate on Biden's campaign this year because he worked on yeah, Obama's in the past. 
So yeah, yeah. like I, yeah, I, I work with Duke a lot. I, I love him. That he's such a sweetheart and um, very, very well. Like when it comes to like, he's my person. I like to talk to when it comes to civic stuff because he knows a lot of those different things. But uh, but yeah, he's currently on. I think he's on the Lesbian and Gay Advisory Board right now, and maybe like one or two other commissions for the city. Um, but yeah, he is very politically involved. We're actually working on his website right now, so he'll have that up. But yeah, any information you want to check out for for that, you can go to uh, weho.org. It's the city's website that has kind of all that for going on. Um, but also make sure anyone, if you are not registered to vote, make sure you get it and primarily get your thing in the mail because it comes two weeks early. You can fill it out, pop it in. You don't have to pay for a stamp or anything. You just fill out your stuff. And it is good to go. And there is no excuse, especially now with the way things are able to do through vote-in mailing ballots. You just get that shit in, people. We, we can't have another four years of this. There you go. <laughs> Put your thing in the mail, but don't get it stuck in the mail. That could be painful. You don't want to have your thing stuck right. in the mail. That would be bad. Make sure you Horrible. put it in the right box, people. Put it in the right <laughs> fucking box. <laughs> oh, wait a second. A box? Wait a second. We're, we're going to have issues all over the place here. All right. right. Enoch Miller, the Empress of WeHo. I love having you on. Thank you for your monthly special correspondence segments. Let all my listeners know where they can find you on social media and your wonderful interviews that you do for the city of WeHo. Everything can be found at Empress of WeHo across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Videos are found on the Empress WeHo Facebook page. And again, thank you, Scott. Always a pleasure speaking to you, my dear. I love having you on, my friend. I can't wait to see you in person. I would have been driving home from four fun-filled weeks of Palm Springs this week. I know. But know that damn COVID had uh, her way with me. So upset, but we'll be Seriously. back. Seriously, talk to me gently with that I chainsaw, promise. Heather. There you go. Well, stay on the line for me, Enoch, guys. We're going to play out here with song, and then when I come back, I'm excited to have for the first time on the show, actor, writer, and comedian Tim Murray is going to be joining us. So we'll talk to him. So listen to a little bit of our friend Levi Christ, and you're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Take an afternoon drive I've been working too hard I want to leave it all behind me Pushing and pulling Yeah, the world keeps spinning around And around But I go with the flow Nobody's going to get me down See, I tell the secret By the way to love Got just cosmological ecstasy It ain't hold of me Your body unwind. You 
sing. You got everything you want. You just gotta open up your eyes. Sing it. Holding on to something when there's nothing that you can do to change it. Just let it go with the flow. Get about your business doing you. Conscious cosmological ecstasy Get a hold of me It's so much better So much better now Baby love Don't you know that It's so much better So much better now Feel good to let it go And it's so much better So much better now Baby love Don't you know that It's so to talk to a fellow Ohioan and 
Kamala Harris Day is so huge, and I'm excited to talk to another gay person. I'm just thrilled. It is a happy, happy day, my friend. Kamala Harris Day, indeed. I'm so excited about that. Um, talk to me. You're in L.A. now. I mean, you've bebopped across the country as much as I have. Talk about round two COVID in L.A. How are you holding up? I hope you are someone who knows how to cook. Are you a Postmate dude? Are you broke from Postmate? What's happening <laughs> up there? I've actually been pretty good. I have not been ordering as much food because I was like, you know, we got we to gotta really ration this out. We got to figure this out. <laughs> but I will say, um, I mean, I love living in L.A., but what they say about this place is true. It's a lot of hot models not wearing masks, and I'm going to need people to get it together mm. out here. Yeah. It's there not, you go. It's not looking great. It's not looking great out here, to be honest. Um, but hopefully I we was, turn it around. Right, exactly. I was supposed to be there. That I was talking to um, Enoch, who just left. I do my show for four weeks every summer out of Palm Springs, California. I do live shows, and I bring my guests from L.A. into the show to stay the night at the resort in Palm Springs. So I was supposed to be there the last four weeks and driving home this week, and COVID messed that up. But next year, you're going to have to come in live in person in Palm Springs. We'll have a good old time. I would love nothing more than that. I'm sorry that that got canceled this year. That stinks. Palm Springs is my it's just my favorite place in the entire world. It's wonderful. It, it, it's so much fun. The resort puts us up. Bring your boyfriend. We have weird late night pool Marco Polo sessions, and it's lots of fun. So we have a good old time. Very, oh, that very cool. Like the time of my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with a bit of background. As you said, you are a fellow Ohioan, not too far up the road. Talk about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you? I grew up in the greatest city in the world. Shout out to Sandusky, Ohio, Uh, America's rock and roller coast. Uh, Yeah, home of Cedar Point. And I grew up going to Cedar Point my whole life. And I love being from Ohio. I still have so many friends there and uh, try to go back as often as I can. Not as often anymore, obviously, but hopefully soon. And I was a weird, nerdy little gay kid who went to Catholic school <laughs> for kindergarten to eighth grade and was uh, sad and confused. And then I found comedy and theater in around high school days, and I was off to the races from then on. And I, as you mentioned, I fell in love with Wicked at about 16 years old, and that really <laughs> uh, changed everything for me. That was where I found a lot of my joy. Oh, we are definitely going to get into Wicked in a bit, my friend. Now, Cedar Point, you can't swing a stick without hitting a gay. Since you were local, did you ever stay in the dorms they have there for all the people that work there every summer? Or did you commute in every day from home? I had a couple of gay dorms I there, did. I think. There are some gay dorms. There's some tragic dorms there. There's some really <laughs> – my friends who live there, what I, they, I, I have visited the dorms before, and it was always like, Oh God, this is like a prison cell. It was just very That's funny. Uh, desperate times in there. But um, I didn't realize that Cedar Point was such a gay mecca until I was older. But when I was 18, I did go to my first gay bar, which was in Sandusky, Ohio. It is no longer open, but Scott, it was, I'm not kidding, the best gay bar in the world. Have you heard of Club nice. X? Club Eccentricities? I've heard of it, but I've never been there, but I have heard of it, yes. 
it was lit. It was just this, like, hole-in-the-wall bar. It was so magical. So many gay Cedar Point employees from all over the world. And, oh, we would just have the time of our lives. I'm so disappointed because I used to go to Cedar Point or with all my straight friends here until they finally, I finally got to start going to some of the gay days they do there every year now. And by then the club was closed and I was so disappointed. So, but I heard it was a, kind of a hoot. Uh, oh my gosh. Awesome. It was, it was really amazing. Cheap drinks, super fun music. There was like space for dancing. Sometimes there'd be drag. I mean, Everyone my age from my hometown who is queer, queer adjacent is like, there will never be another bar like that in the world. It was, it was awesome. I love it. Well, talk about finding your LGBTQ tribe. Was it there in theater? Was it there at Cedar Point? Where did you kind of, when did you first come out to yourself and where did you find your LGBTQ tribe and really feel like you became a part of the community? I mean, I'm hoping times are changing now, but I'll be honest, I didn't have much of a tribe growing up in Ohio. I was like, really, uh, it was different. It was different in the 90s. It was not, it was right. hard. It was It was pretty tough. And then um, even I started doing theater like in high school, but even then I was too afraid to come out to anybody. So I actually didn't come out until college, my freshman year of college when I went to school in Miami, Florida, and I came out in a Facebook note. You remember those? <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. Yeah. I, uh, I got brave one night and posted the entire thing, like a long note on Facebook, basically like a longer status. That was just kind of like a blog entry and just ripped the Band-Aid off that way. And then... When that happened, nice. so many people from Ohio were so uh, accepting and, and loving. And, you know, once they had me to put the face to this idea of gayness, then then I really uh, was able to really be myself. And that was a wonderful thing. There you go. What a handsome face it is, too. Yay. <laughs> well, talk about where did the funny come from? Were you the kind of the class clown or were you entertaining your family? Or how did the funny bone kind of materialize? I was always trying to be the class clown because, you know, I had to find something. Growing up in that <laughs> Catholic school, K through 8, uh, I was the only boy who wasn't on the football team. The only. In, like, oh my the entire school. And on, I think Mondays, they had, they had their football games, so they would come into school. We had uniforms, but on Mondays, the football boys got to wear a button-up shirt and a tie. And they could wear any kind of tie they want, but that was their, like, football uniform. And I just remember being like, I am the only one. And it's, there's, oh like, a God. visual cue that I'm the only one that isn't doing this. So I just always felt like I had to find something to stand out and to make myself feel, you know, worthy. And back, I mean, I, again, I hope things are changing now, but back then, you didn't sit at the girls' table. You know, the girls were my friends, but there was a girl's lunch table and a boy's lunch table. And there were only, right. you know, 15 of us total in my grade. So it was like you had to find a way to fit in somehow. And so I think that's where it began. I just started trying to make people laugh. And I've always just naturally loved comedy. I come from like a big Irish family and, uh, you know, sort of the feeling of, everyone's talking over each other so you got to better figure out a way to uh, break through <laughs> at the dinner table 
right? Yeah. Very, very cool. And talk about the acting bug. When did you get hit by that? Um, it looked like you were you you were all over the place in some great traveling companies in different places. Talk about the acting portion of your life. Yeah, I, I mean, I love acting. I always have and always will. It just is such a one of those things, that, you know, from the very first play I saw when I was a kid, I just remember being like, oh, I, I love this so much. I want to be a part of this in any way that I can. And then I, uh, you know, went to the University of Miami and was like, okay, this will be my litmus test for if I can pursue this. And I auditioned for the BFA acting program. And when I got in, I was like, all right, I'm all in. I'm, I'm going for it now. And then I just moved to New York City after that and started auditioning as much as possible. And, you know, one thing led to another, which I've been very lucky, which is cool. Talk about that experience going from a 15-person class acting or in uh, high school to moving to New York City. How intimidating was that, or did you kind of take to it pretty quickly? What was that experience like when you first got there? I took to it pretty quickly, I will say. I think I was always, you know, when I was in that uh, small school. So I, I should clarify, sorry, it was 15 people from kindergarten through eighth grade. And then for high school, my parents were like, "We're not, you're not doing this anymore. Like, I don't think they knew I was gay, but uh. they knew that that I didn't have any friends and like, it wasn't going great. And they wanted me to have access to like, you know, the theater and the big choir and everything. So they were like, you're going to the public school, which was much bigger. So that was a good transition and shout out to okay. High school because they really, um, some of the most amazing teachers I've ever had, including college, including my, you know, upper citizens brigade training for improv in New York, including my voice teachers. Some of the best teachers I've ever had were, Ohio high school teachers and they really shaped me and really like, prepared me for the world in a lot of great ways. And that school mm, was nice. really, that high school was really wonderful and it was big and that gave me like a nice uh, buffer, I think. And so, and I always wanted to live in a big city. I always wanted to be around gay people and to be around other types of people. So I was more like a kid in the candy shop, honestly, when I, first moved to New York. I wasn't that much in culture shock. I was just like, hell yeah, let's do this. (laughs) Nice. I like it. What was one of your first gigs there? My first gig in New York, you're going to like this, actually. I waited around. I think I got up at 6 in the morning and auditioned for a dinner theater in Springfield, Ohio. (laughs) Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, I did Seven (laughs) Brides for Seven Brothers. So I, I moved to New York for, I think, I think I was there for three months and then I booked that job. And so I got to leave New York and come to Ohio, back to Ohio to do, do that show. And that was my first, first gig. That is hilarious. Well, you've been in some great productions. Uh, Dog Sees God is one of my favorite little plays. Oh, I love that show. It's, oh, uh, it's my kind God, of a bet. Did you enjoy? Did you enjoy that? I mean, that's just such a great show. It was my. That's my favorite experience I think I've ever had doing any kind of performing. It was so so amazing. It, for anyone who doesn't know the show, listening, it's about the Charlie Brown characters when they're in high school and they're dealing with you know some really intense stuff. Charlie Brown 
dog, Snoopy, has died, and he's very depressed about it, and he is finding himself, and he uh, finds, figures out that he's gay. And it was really a magical thing to be a part of. I got to do it when I was a junior in college, and all my best friends at school at the time were in it with me, and we just had an amazing time. And, like, it was one of those experiences where I would get messages on Facebook from random kids on campus who said, you know, I've been really struggling with coming out. I come from a very conservative town or whatever it was. And that play uh, gave me the courage to call my mom and like tell her that I'm gay. And I get emotional thinking about it because it was really, it was just Mm -hmm. very, it it was very cool to have that. And that happened, you know, two years after I came out, two or three years after I came out of the closet. And um, it was directed by this incredible, another Ohioan, my, my, mentor Vince Cardinal who's now the head of the musical theater program at University of Michigan um, and he is just this genius wonderful uh, just very spirited smart gay man who like really helmed the ship and it also starred uh, Max Emerson who I think a lot of people probably know now as Maxisms on Instagram he's got like and he's a YouTuber and has like millions of followers so there were, you know, and my friend Becca Cody was in it. And now she's uh goes on the road. She's a backup singer for Rod Stewart. So it was wow. Like really, yeah, it was like an amazing cast and like a an unbelievable experience. That's fantastic. I didn't know all that talent came out of. That's crazy. And then you got to work. Yeah. With, uh, funny thing that happened on the way to the forum is also one of my favorites. You got to work with them in Connecticut for that. So that that'd be kind of fun reworking with them there again too. Wow, that's some yeah. great connections you've had. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's then, been it's been very cool. well. And then and I didn't know that you knew Max back then because I saw I loved Hooked. I thought that was fun. And Unfunny Gays is probably one of the funniest parodies I've ever seen. That was such a great show you did. That had to be kind of fun to be working with someone again that you knew. But talk about how those uh, how. Um, Unfunny guys or unfunny gays came to pass because I just thought that was hilarious. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for saying that. That, I, that is also one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, and Max, you know, we met when we were eighteen. We we're in the same grade in college, and we he was in the acting program, and I was auditioning for the acting program, and so we've just always been uh, we've always been friends. We've always been buddies, and I know he has like a certain internet persona now, but I just know him as like this goofy 18 year old boy who he and I were just, you know, figuring out who we are. And right. yeah, we've been, we've been friends a long time. So I asked him to do that. And my friend Mateo Lane and my wonderful, hilarious friend, Trey Gerald. Um, and the idea for it came because <laughs> so many times I would, you know, run into gay men who were using buzzwords as conversation pieces and, uh, over hypersexualizing themselves as comedy in a way that was so inauthentic and felt really strange. <laughs> I, I specifically had a, a stage man. I'll try not to mention what the show was, but a stage manager for a show <laughs> I was working on. And I would come in to do the show and I'd be like, Oh, I went to the movies. And he'd be like, Oh, what were you doing at the movies? Giving a BJ. And I, like, oh my gosh, what? How did you, <laughs> how did you glean that from what I just said? It was always, yeah, always like, or that, you know, the age of the opening line of the thing was something I've heard so many times. How, where'd you guys meet? Grinder. It's just, so I really wanted to um, 
poke fun at people who were not being original and uh, the, the, you know, the, I love gay comedy. That's all I ever want to do is comedy that reflects the gay experience. So it was really, really exciting to try to tap into something that I, I felt like I wasn't seeing anybody else do very much on the internet or on TV or anywhere. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you saying that because that video got a lot of traction, which was awesome. But then always what comes with traction was it also got a lot of backlash, which really uh, kind of shook me to my core and honestly made me not want to create anything for a little while. Cause I was so uh, upset by how people could perceive something um, in, in a way that That's I would not because it's, I mean, looking back at it from maybe it's because of the time that I'm seeing it from, but just it's so obviously parody that you think that people would appreciate it. I mean, that's almost camp, right? I think you and Trey were amazing. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And I just, I think it's an interesting conversation. And I never want to, um, you know, knock people for having the conversation because I think it did, you know, it did uh, ignite the conversation within people that I think people weren't having a discussion before, but the big uh, issue people were having with it was they were saying, this is femme shaming because Trey and my characters were extremely effeminate. And I was like, Oh, that's so crazy. You guys just don't know me at all. You just don't know that I'm very effeminate. <laughs> I was like, you, <laughs> I was like, yeah, we were amped up. We were um, what we were doing, but Trey and I are effeminate gay men. So to us, the funniest choice was to amplify that. And I think, because people don't know us, they just thought we were making fun of the idea of being a feminist. And Max and Mateo uh, are a little more masculine presenting, I guess. So they mm. constructed this narrative that it was like a femme gays versus mask gays. Um, but it was very, just very interesting to me because I was like, well, if, if you're constructing this narrative in your head, what you're saying is the, what the problem with them is that they're a feminist. And that's not the problem with them. That's actually one of the things we're celebrating about them. The problem is that they're right. using buzzwords and being inauthentic. So it opened wow, up a, yes, a very that's interesting a very interesting conversation. conversation. Wow. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, and you, it's not the opposite way, but I mean, your, your play that you wrote, I really kind of wish I could see uh, the connected show. I mean, you raised $5,000 for this. But the connector, you're playing this, like, hookup guy. So it's like it's not like you're stereotyping yourself. Talk about how that experience was to write your own play and create that, do the entire Kickstarter experience and everything. That was really another really special experience. Ben and Darcy's God were, like, my two things that I just I'm really – when I look back at what I've done, I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of what I was able to do there. It was um, – honestly, I just wrote it because I was – an out-of-work actor and I really wanted to uh, have, have more opportunities on stage and I felt like I had this story inside of me and I'm still working on that piece to this day trying to make it a screenplay um, because I just really love it. The whole idea is that it's about a person who is constantly trying to get people to like him rather than just loving himself and I think a lot of gay people, gay men especially, really struggle with that, with this idea of, you know, getting validation from sex or from likes on Instagram or from 
having the biggest friend group or being the, the, the party guy, you know, whatever it is. And I really wanted to write that because that was something I was, you know, deeply feeling this feeling of like, I'll never be loved because I'm trying so hard to be liked. And uh, yeah, then I, I felt very lucky and very wonderful that I put, put it up on Kickstarter and people I, you would never expect really come out of the woodwork to help you when you really want to make an artistic project. And that was so special. So many, so many people, I like, you know, people from high school, people from Ohio, people from, you know, that I had done a, a three week theater gig with years earlier were donating anywhere from like 10 to $200 to raise that money. And then, um, it was directed by my friend, Tim Cook, who was my, uh, assistant director in high school in Ohio, in, uh, Sandusky for Godspell. So we got to keep it very Ohio centric, which was awesome too. Nice. I love that. Well, it just shows your talent and, and how much all your friends think of you. I think that's fantastic. Let's talk about a couple other projects. I love the Queens project. I've had Ken on the show before and Andre Jordan on the show. Great guys. How was that working on that little project? Oh my God. So much fun. I listened to that episode. That was so awesome. And I love those guys and thank them so much for shouting me out. They're so funny and just lovely, lovely people to work for and work with. And Andre is truly one of the funniest people I've ever met. And I he love him. just made his, he's so great. He's, he's such a great guy. They're good energy, those guys. And um, yeah, it's just, especially in the gay comedy world, gay writing world, gay acting world, you really want to try to align yourself with people who are positive and fun and just there to have a good time. Um, but also there to get the job done. And they both really have that. And that was really a joy to, to do because Ken is such a go-getter, you know, he gets an idea in his head and he makes it come to fruition. And I would right. say, I know like less than 5% of the people I know are like that, who are really able to make, the thing happen, this idea that they have in their heads. Uh, and yeah, it was really so fun. That's how I met Trey Gerald, who became, we, we played Nick one and Nick two on that show <laughs> where we were just right. you know, kind of being, being these horrible gay guys. And then we were <laughs> like, okay, something about our chemistry is really working. So we just kept making more fun comedy videos together. I love that series. It's such a, such a great thing. Now, tell me how MTV Safe House happened. I mean, you're working with some people that people might have heard of before. Um, how did that gig come about? And it's just such a heightened thing playing your little Teen Wolf character. Talk about that. Scott, this was really one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me. This is one of those stories where, like, I like I teach kids sometimes acting, and I'll tell this story, but I, I preface it with, like, this is one of those one-in-a-million bizarre things that happened that is not not the normal in the acting world. I I was on like a casting network website that anybody can sign up for. I, I didn't have an agent at the time or anything. I was a non-union actor and I just would submit all as whenever I wasn't waiting tables or bartending, I would sit at home and I would submit for every role that came my way. And right. I submitted for, for this commercial. I think originally they were looking for like a boy band character and so I submitted and then um, they sent me a thing that was like 
we will see your audition tape. If you can just tape yourself saying this one line and can you do it like 10 different ways? And I was like, okay, I get this assignment. I can totally do this. So I sat in my apartment and I put myself on tape doing the line. And I was like, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to make these 10 different ways so different. So they just can see like I can do whatever it is that I'm, that is asked of me. And so I did that. I sent in the tape and I got a call like four hours later from this casting director who was like, wow. So we, yeah, it was nuts. And she was, it, it, I got the call on like, I think on a Wednesday and we were shooting it on like Saturday. It was like, it all happened so fast. She was like, wow. um, so they, just so you know, we, they really liked your tape. The director liked your tape and we're going to book you for this. So you'll show up on Saturday and it'll be you and Cheyenne, uh, you and um, uh, Jamie Fox and Channing Tatum. And then she hung up. And I was like, <laughs> I literally was like walking around my apartment like, wait, did she mean like, like it'll be a cutout of Channing Tatum and Jamie Fox? I was like, what? I was like, it was too, it was too, like the whole process of getting it was too casual for me to believe it, that it was real. And then I showed up on set and, Sure enough, it was me and Ronnie from the Jersey Shore and Mark from uh, Real World, Road Rules Challenge. And then they put us in makeup and, like, it was super fun. And then in came Channing Tatum and Jamie Foxx. <laughs> and Channing Tatum oh my God. me. And I will never forget that feeling of that. That is amazing. I mean, because I, I would... When I do my research, I look at your resume first, and I saw, okay, Teen Wolf opposite Channing Tatum for MTV Safe House. So was this like a lookalike? Was this what? And then I look at your reel. It's like, wait a second. That's really Channing Tatum. Wait a second. That's Jamie Foxx. Wait a second. It was just bizarre to watch. How cool. I can't imagine it was like doing it with that kind of a parameter, not knowing what was happening in that short of time. That's crazy. Surely, I literally walked to the – to, to film it thinking like this is really going to be them but maybe not maybe it's like or I was like maybe they're filming me doing my line and then like you know they have the footage already my director from Cedar Point because I performed there for a couple of years I sent it to her being like look at look at what I got to do and she replied saying I'm confused is this real this is, did they CG CGI them into is this a joke that you edited <laughs> I I really booked this commercial with them. It was, that was really wild. And Channing Tatum is the nicest, most like loving. He made me feel so comfortable and so safe. It was, uh, I mean, just a dream. Yeah. He was really, I will never forget how sweet he was. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. Let's switch gears for a second to stand up. Talk to me. Where was the very first club you were on stage at, and where's been your favorite gig you've been on stage at? Ah, what a great question. Um, the first time I ever did it was in the fourth grade at the talent show at St. Petersburg School. Um, <laughs> but my favorite club, oh, um, what a good question. I, I perform, I open for uh, Danny Franzese a lot from Mean Girls. So right. he, and he's just lovely and wonderful. And he has a regular show 
at Flappers in Burbank in L.A., and I love doing the show there. That's always really fun. And I also got to play the comedy store. That was really intimidating but really fun. Um, yeah, sorry, did that answer your question? That does. I like it. No, that's, and where your comedy, I mean, like I said, I saw a couple of specials on there. It's very situational, kind of living your life type comedy. Do you, do you kind of just write down little thoughts that come to you when you see it, or do you look back on yourself, or how, do, how does your gigs come to you, or your, your uh, bits? Yeah, a little bit of both. It's like I always have my phone on me, as we all do, so sometimes I'm tweeting up a storm, or sometimes I just take out my notepad on my phone, and if something bizarre happens, or you know what it is a lot of the time, I find people always say, like, don't be sad on stage. Like, nobody's going to laugh. Nobody wants to laugh at you being sad. Like, they want to watch you have fun. So I find that a really good tool for comedy is whatever made you angry is usually something you want to write down. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, uh, honest, honestly, the unfunny gay guys thing is like whenever guys would do that to me, I was like, ugh, this is making me really upset. Um, but if it makes you sad, it's probably not going to be funny. If it makes you angry, there might be some comedy gold to mine in there. Uh, so I, that's usually when I write things down is if I find myself, like, in line at a grocery store and something annoying happens or when I'm driving, if something obnoxious happens, I'll pull over and try to write it in my notepad. Um, and then, yeah, the, a lot of my set comes from stories I've had from growing up in Ohio, looking back, uh, of my one of my favorite uh, sets that I do is about the time I got catfished on the internet by someone pretending to be Britney Spears when I was in the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that'd be hilarious! Wow, yeah. very very cool. I like it. Well, let's get to this YouTube channel and podcast. Uh, you just are funny, my friend. I love the Natalie Portman masterclass during COVID. That kept me going. That's why I was in quarantine. I mean, you just let yourself hang it out there, buddy. Talk about some of these bits. What's been your favorite to do during COVID? Oh, okay. That's just a good. Okay, my favorite thing I've done during COVID was this. I love doing those sketches. I love doing the Desperate Housewives thing. But my favorite thing was there's this show called The Search for Elle Woods, and it was a 2008 reality TV show where they literally were trying to pick the next Elle Woods for Broadway, for Legally Blonde, the musical. And I would get drunk every night before bed during the beginning of the quarantine, as we all were doing. And I found the, the whole thing on YouTube. And so I rewatched it, and as I was watching it, it was so insane that I would tape myself on my phone and put it on my Instagram stories of me watching it. And then I just found myself, it was bringing me so much joy that I was like, okay, I'm going to post <laughs> on the internet and see if I can uh, get these girls who were on this reality show in 2008 to do a reunion with me. So on my YouTube channel, I did a live reunion with all the girls who were on the show, including like Lena Hall, who won a Tony Award for Hedwig and the Angry Inch on Broadway with Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, my Harris. goodness. And like, yeah, they all just said yes. But they just, I, I was like, okay, this is amazing. So that was the most fun thing I think I've done. I absolutely love that. That's amazing. 
Well, speaking right. of reactions, that brings us to our Elphaba fascination. Watching your reaction <laughs> to the Elphaba video the other last month, where all the stars did uh, did the main song there, did uh, Defying Gravity. Your reaction was priceless, my friend. I thought that was the cutest thing ever. Was, was that you. seriously the first time you saw it? <laughs> I didn't think so. I thought this guy is acting up a shitstorm, but I'm loving. I'm living for it. I was living for every second of it. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it with my boyfriend first, and then I. So I'd only seen it once, and then. When I watched it a second time, that's when I filmed it. I was like, I'm going to film this because my our initial reaction was similar to that. And I was like, I just have to share this with the world because this is bringing me so much joy. I thought so, but it was hilarious. I love when he said, I love this so much. Oh, honey, I love you too. We're talking to your boyfriend. Off. That was just great. It was the whole thing was great. <laughs> so give me this <laughs> alphabet thing. I mean, you have talked to some of the best alphabets around, but talk about the wicked obsession back from early on it sounds like from when we first started talking but give me the rundown on wicked oh my god where do i even begin so you love wicked too right you're a, a I do. theater I guy do. i've got to talk to nick adams who did fiero a couple fieros i've talked to so i've done the opposite side but yes go oh my god he's he's about i love nick he's such a wonderful dude he's gonna come on my podcast as well um, he's so great. I yeah. I uh, I saw this. Sh- I got this. Bought the CD at Best Buy when I was sixteen. <laughs> I just after school one day, I would go. I would walk there again. No one knew I was gay, and I would like go to Best Buy and look at the electronic section and look at the musical theater section of the CDs. And I just remember seeing it and seeing the like green witch and being like, oh, this is about Wizard of Oz. I'm I'm totally buying this. And then I couldn't stop listening to it. I was so obsessed. And then I went to New York to um, look at NYU for college, my senior year of high school. And when I was there, I got to see Wicked with Adina Menzel. And oh my just, goodness. I, will, I still remember the feeling to this day. Like I just remember waking up that day. It was like being a little kid, like getting ready to go on a field trip. Like I just was like, oh, this might be the best day of my life. <laughs> And then I saw her in it And I just loved it so much So then I mean late at night It's my guilty pleasure I watch a bunch of different Alphabuzz singing Defying Gravity on YouTube That's what I always do And so then I got the idea To just start messaging a bunch of them And seeing if they would come on my podcast And my YouTube live channel And so many of the most ones did And it was just awesome I mean when Eden Espinosa who, if you're listening to this, you don't know who that is, you need to look this woman up. She is, the mm. voice is unbelievable. Right. When she said yes, I was, and Jessica Fox, I just, I screamed. It was, and they're just, you know, they're so fun. They're like really, they're, it's amazing to talk to these women who are so talented, who are also just really funny and fun to talk to. I bet. I didn't want to ask you your favorite alphabet because I thought that would be too hard. I'm glad you gave a couple out there because you're right. Those are some amazing actresses. Uh, I mean, you've been doing the slumber party for a while. It didn't start with alphabets. Um, That idea, I think, is amazing. But this just took a great turn to it. You and I are so similar, it's scary because I do the same thing with uh, I fell in love with Jeremy Jordan and Newsies. And so I watch every Newsies YouTube video I can find from any high school production, anything. So I hear you on oh, that, I my friend. Oh, I love it's, that. It's, 
I, I love that you love Jeremy Jordan so much because I have a fun Ohio Newsies fact for you. I did uh, Cedar Point. When I was working at Cedar Point, I performed with Ben Fankhauser, who was <sighs> Jamie in Newsies, opposite Jeremy. And, yeah, he was just doing our summer theme park with us. And then, obviously, he was, like, ridiculously talented, more talented than the rest of us. And so he got scooped up in the middle of the summer to go do the Spring Awakening tour. But um, he's still my very good friend to this day. And he, the guy who replaced Jeremy Jordan, Corey Cott, him and Ben grew up together in Ohio, and they, like, did rent together in high school as Mark and Roger, and then they got to play off of each other on Broadway in movies. Isn't that crazy? That is amazing. If you give me either of them on my show, I would love you forever. I love Ben's quarantine Sunday breakfast cooking. Have you been watching that at all? Ben has been doing Ben has been doing live cooking every Sunday, cooking breakfast for him, for him and his guy there. He cooks live breakfast every Sunday on an Instagram live feed that I've been living for during quarantine. Oh my God. That it must be with his roommate Kyle, who is also our friend from yeah, Ohio from Fostoria. He does the film. So many Ohio he does... The three of us oh went my... on a like a a friend road trip and our friend Mike, we went on a friend road trip from New York to Cedar Point and we went to all of each other's um, like houses that we grew up in and had like our own little slumber party and it was like the best week of my life. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell Ben to come on the show for sure. He's he's the best. Oh my God, you don't even know how much I would fangirl out over that. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> no, that's just a great connection. I did not know that at all. That is awesome. Oh, Talk yeah. about your, yeah. your slumber party. What's been some of your favorite episodes besides all the alphabets, obviously, but talk about some of your favorite. You've had a lot of different people on there, some pretty amazing folk. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really proud of it. It's been, it's, I mean, you know, from doing this show, I'm sure it's just really fun to get to talk to different people and hear different perspectives on queer life. And Trixie Mattel, we had her on, and that was obviously incredible i was freaking out because she's just one of the funniest <laughs> people alive and um i had my friend britta filter on from uh drag race and i think some of my favorite episodes have been uh emily Fightmaster. they were on a couple months ago before they were on shrill i don't know if you've seen shrill the um show on hulu but uh it's they're on season two of shrill and emily is just really funny and really really cool and that was one of those episodes where we all drank a bottle of wine as we were talking so that's a really good one um my friend Giovanni Lanayo that's also an awesome episode yeah there's just been a lot of a lot of really Dana Francesi was on and he's such a good buddy of mine so that was really fun we've talked to we've talked to a lot of a lot of cool people Soju from Drag Race and um my friend Benda Engelstaw talked to, it was, it's been cool to talk to pansexual people and bisexual people and trans people. Sure. My friend Aris Wander, who's an amazing, really funny comedian. She was on recently. Yeah. Those are all, those are the episodes I would start with if you're looking for an and That point. is so cool. I love that. Well, I was willing to talk Alphabets and Wicked with you. I don't know enough about Drag Race. I saw a couple of your drag, you are a drag race fan and no i was intimidated oh, yeah. by that so i didn't i didn't go <laughs> there but uh 
Mm-hmm. Next season, we'll have to catch up with it together, and I'll have to have you as a special correspondent with my drag updates or something. That would be fun. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I will tell you, if you want to talk off-pod about where to start with Drag Race, I am, I'm your man. I, I love it so much. Nice. I like it. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Mr. Tim Murray. This has been lots of fun. Thanks for coming yeah, on the thank show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I love the show, and uh, I hope we get to hang out in Palm Springs one day. We gotta hang out sometime. I, I'm probably gonna come to my. Like I said, I grew up there. My youngest brother is still a Ventura County Sheriff. Lives over in Thousand Oaks, so I get there as often as I can to say hi. So we'll we'll, we'll oh have an adult beverage or two sometime. That'll be yes, fun. please. That would be a blast. Thank you. Any projects that you uh, that things as we slowly start to come out of COVID? Anything you seeing picking back up, or do you do you have anything on the horizon you might want to talk about? Yeah, I have a couple of things that I'm. Uh, in, it's sort of. I guess I can't really announce yet, but big things hopefully happening with Slumber Party podcast. So definitely keep nice. a lookout for for that and definitely head on over to my YouTube channel and I'm doing a lot of sketch comedy on there these days, a lot of filming in my house. So uh, definitely check that out. And this Saturday I'm doing a YouTube live with, I won't say who, but someone from Canada's drag race, which is the hit series on right now, a drag queen from Canada's drag race Saturday night. So that's, yeah, the big thing I'm excited for this week. That's pretty amazing. I love that. And where can yeah. all of my listeners find you? Give everyone your YouTube channel. Your website is amazing. And uh, where oh, they can find you. you on social, my friend. Yeah, everywhere is at tmurray06. That's YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. I'm tmurray06. So that's where you can find me. All righty. Tim Murray, you've been an absolute delight. We are going to be best buddies, I can tell. I know. I can't wait to hang. It'll be great. All right. Well, stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out here with a little Ryan Casada's Witches. And then uh, Han and I will be back to wrap things up in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network.
long as you fun night tonight big shout out to our guests thank you very much to enoch miller the empress of weho for filling us in on our west coast entertainment minute and writer comedian and actor tim murray so much fun a fellow ohioan here and he knows a lot of people that hopefully will get on the show but uh, he is you got to check out his website watch his videos lots of fun Han, how did you enjoy the evening? You okay back there in Studio Land? Yeah, no, it was really great. It was a very uh, easy evening. It was very pleasant getting to hear our guests talk about everything. There you go. Well, we had a good time was had by all. Tomorrow night, we're going to be here the rest of the week, every night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Just one guest each night in our special correspondence every week, make it nice, easy, breezy. So tomorrow night, we're going to have on a, um, he works for the regional HIV coordinator for the Midwest AIDS Training Education Center, but I think it's real important that we talk about um, HIV from time to time. So we're going to have him on and talk about different things of what's happening nowadays uh, with PrEP and, and things like that as we go into the summer and people are starting to get out a little more. I mean, We've been for a while, and it could mean a lot of things. I'll leave it at that. Um, but we're going to have him on tomorrow. And, of course, every Wednesday we have our special correspondents, Jeff and Josh from J&J Buzz, giving us our Pop Culture Minute. So they'll be on tomorrow night as well. So that's it. We hope you guys have a great week. Be sure to follow me on social media, at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram, always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R in the number eight. On Facebook, it's the Left of Straight Show, and my personal profile, Scott Fullerton. You can send me a friend request. You can follow Han and all the interns over at Left of Straight Radio on Twitter and Instagram, and Left of Straight Radio also on Facebook. Any final parting words for the uh, audience tonight, Han? I hope everyone stays safe and has a very good rest of their week. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening in and left the straight show. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great evening. Bye-bye.